Welcome to the Workplace Forward Podcast with your host, executive coach Tegan Travato, founder and CEO of Bright Arrow Coaching. Are you a perpetually busy, always overstretched leader or executive who feels there's never time to keep up with leadership trends in an always changing landscape, much less self-care? Workplace Forward will help you overcome both challenges and gain peace of mind. Through Tegan's conversations with executives, experts, authors, and innovators about their leadership journeys, you'll get quick hits of two things you need the most. Essential insights to help navigate the future workplace and best practices on the more human side of leadership so you're empowered to take care of yourself while leading others. Enjoy some well-deserved time for yourself to learn and recharge. Let's get started with today's guest. Tegan, take it away. Hey, leaders. Today, I'm going to talk with Julie Setzer, who is currently an SVP of Research and Development and Innovation at Procter & Gamble. Her background is unbelievably impressive in terms of her corporate experience and likewise with her personal experience. And the reason I'm so excited to talk with her today is multiple reasons, but I think one of the things I'm most struck by in getting to know Julie prior to this interview is that she's bringing forward a truly inseparable representation of her experience from her personal life and her work life and how each has informed the other. And I truly think our greatest opportunities as leaders is to stop separating that work persona and that personal life persona. And Julie just embodies that naturally. I don't even know if she's aware of how organic that is for her. And it really is going to come through in this conversation today because what she's bringing us today is sort of a format for how we might think about pushing ourselves in our work life and in our personal lives because she's developed these five leap of faith principles. You will be lucky to hear it here first because my prediction is that this becomes a book or a TED talk or a speaking circuit opportunity. Speaking of which, you might call her up to come give this talk at your company after you hear it because I really think it is what we need to hear right now as leaders. So please enjoy hearing from this SVP from Procter & Gamble who has led some truly huge innovative opportunities with the organization and see what you might take from this to practice in your own life and leadership. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tegan. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. I have so been looking forward to letting our listeners get to hear from you, you know, as for listeners to know, Julie and I have spent some time together prior to the podcast, getting to know each other. And I got to learn a little bit about her and she is going to talk with us today about the five leap of faith principles that she strongly believes in and shares with other leaders. I love them. I think they are perfection for all of us right now. So why don't you first tell us at a high level yeah. what this is all about. And then I want to know why you came up with these. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. Okay. So thank you so much. That was super kind. Just for people to know what I do and how I came to these, I've been leading innovation at PNG, and I also spent some time outside of PNG leading innovation. And in particular, I focused a lot on really driving transfer- transformation and disruptive innovation. So helping businesses really get to that next level of growth, helping teams really leap to that next level of capability, 
And I, you know, over the years of doing that work, I've seen that there are certain things that really make it work, right? So certain principles that drive that ability to really make a transformational leap. And so I, I've sort of honed my thinking about driving transformation in general. And I started to realize that not only does this apply to building businesses, but it applies to growing your career and it applies to growing personally. Mm-hmm. So I really started to try to think about how could I actually make the thinking and those principles very explicit and bring them to life in a way that would help people see how to apply those principles to their career growth, as well as sort of the business opportunities that I've had a chance to work on. Great. And before we dive into what those five principles are, what have you experienced in your own like personal life, professional life that led you to want to distill your lessons into these five principles? Yeah, a couple of things. One is, you know, what I realized personally is that kind of my biggest growth in my career and personally has come from really taking a leap of faith. I mean, that's the language I use to frame these principles because, you know, at some point you have to take a leap of faith, right? The path is not clear when it comes to really taking that leap to get to the next level. So it became clear to me that that was true for me personally. And I also realized in in my work in mentoring a lot of people, right? I've mentored a a lot of women over the years, people in both R&D and other functions. And when they have a real tension about what to do next in their career or in their life, it really is that they're reaching this moment where the future is unclear, they have a big choice to make, and having a way to sort of frame how to think about that big choice really helped people that I've been mentoring. Yeah. I have to tell you, just for me to you and with a bunch of people listening, one of the things we see at Bright Arrow, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but in our practice, our practice is full of men and women in their forties and fifties who are coming to us executives. And they're saying things like, listen, I know how smart I am now. Like I'm, I'm clear on my value. I am clear that I want to have a life with my family. I don't want to only be working and I want to make sure that my life has purpose and it's an awakening. It's a beautiful thing. If only it could happen sooner for all of us. Right. But there's something about that, like, especially between like 40 to 55, where there's this moment of what's my next chapter going to be about. Right. And, and they want to do it really intentionally. There's certain things they're not willing to do anymore, certain things they have to be doing with their time. And so that's part of why I was so attracted to your work in this area, because it really does encourage us just take the leap. And I think it's all magnified right now by what we've all been through the last couple of years, because we have all been forced in some way to get clear about what's really important and what's really worth our time. So take us into the five principles and help all of us be braver to kind of take those leaps. Okay. Well, first, let me just say, I think it's, I've seen this exactly what you're talking about. I mean, COVID has really, I think, forced almost everybody to think much more intentionally about where am I and where do I want to go, mm-hmm. yes. right? But that's a big, scary thing to do. It is. Right? The sea so, is vast of opportunity for a lot of vast, us. Yes. Right? So <laughs> hopefully this first principle will resonate mm-hmm. with people, which is 
resist the idea that the future is certain, mm-hmm. right? Embrace uncertainty, right? Embrace uncertainty. And within that, clarity is very important. So what I mean by that is get super clear what matters to you and where you want to go, and then be very flexible about how you get there. So be ready to learn as you're sort of starting to find your way toward that northern light, recognize that you don't have all the answers, nobody else has all the answers, and you have to put yourself very much in a learning and growth mindset. So the first principle is that principle of embracing uncertainty. I love it. That is today's reality without a doubt. And in that world of uncertainty, having that clear northern light is super important. I so appreciate that you're including clarity and certainty in the same thought. Like, so look for, get your clarity, but resist the temptation of certainty. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. And Julie, this might be a nice time for you to share with listeners some of those moments that you took for your career. I particularly think about a couple for you, like when you shared with me about being with your children in a certain yeah. chapter, but also in your earlier in your career, taking some of those global roles. So which right. of those would you like to share in this perspective or from this lens? Yeah. So, you know, let me share sort of, I think what something that'll resonate with, again, many of the people who are facing that, that issue of next chapter now, which really is, you know, leaping in and out of the workforce, mm. right? So mm-hmm. for me, you know, I had an amazing career for 15 years at Parker and Gamble. I was on a great growth trajectory. I loved my job. I had done a couple of international assignments, but I reached a point where I had three young children. My husband also had a PNG career, and it just wasn't all adding up. The myth that you can do it all is is a myth, right? Indeed. And I think it's much more of a <laughs> there are is a season for everything. And so, you know, I stepped out of the workforce and that was scary. I mean, a lot of my identity was tied up with my career, but, you know, it did become clear to me that in order to, you know, this is a very personal decision. Frankly, the envi- this is an environment, we're going back to the 90s, when sort of how I might keep a toe in the workforce, the op- options were very limited. That's right. So mm-hmm. I chose to step away completely. That was the right decision for me at the time, but it it was, you know, a huge, like, leap of faith. And then I'll just say going back similarly, right? When I went back to work, it had been nine years Mm -hmm. that I had been out of the workforce. I had done some consulting, but I had been out of P&G for nine years. And when I went back, again, how was I going to balance this? You know, was I going to be able to, you know... Be effective at PNG when I've been gone for nine years. These were all big questions. But, you know, at that moment, what was super clear to me was I needed my job for my children was to be a role model, not to be their chauffeur and their their nanny and their housekeeper. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with that kind of clarity of what mattered, I was able to sort of say, okay, I will figure everything else out as I go Mm -hmm. and I'll take this big leap. So grateful for you sharing that because as you know, we lost millions of women from the workforce in a single month at one point last year, millions. So thank you because I think there's a lot of people, not just women, but their partners who need to hear that clarity of choice 
was necessary for lots of people. And this like being unattached to the certainty, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but trusting ourselves to figure it out as you did. So role modeling that for us. Thank you, Julie. And that that doesn't have to be a permanent decision. I mean, I totally respect that decision and many years can go by and that and the choice may be different in the future and be ready and open for that future as well. Mm, Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. What's the second principle? So the second one is, is also one I love and it's, you know, really know what needs to be true. I think this whole framing of what would need to be true through to take this leap effectively is, again, it's a clarifying question. So, you know, when we're wading into uncertainty, we can get bogged down in a lot of details and a lot of sort of pragmatic issues that need to be dealt with. But taking a moment to step back and say, what really needs to be true for this to work for myself and for the people that matter to me is, again, it's a super clarifying question. So, you know, again, to give you the personal example, I'll talk now about one of the international assignments that I took, Great. which was mm-hmm. which was moving to Belgium when my youngest daughter was in high school. Mm. And for context, my husband and I had done two previous international assignments. They're very challenging. Those people, anybody who's done an international assignment knows that it's it's very intense. Yeah. And my husband in particular, when I brought up this idea of taking another international assignment, you know, his immediate reaction was, nope, we're not doing that. Like in no uncertain terms, it was a dead no. And that was the tension for me because I really saw that this could be a huge opportunity for my career. I really knew that in order to continue to grow my career, I really kind of needed to take this assignment. And, you know, I would get an incredible growth experience with this particular assignment. So, you know, I I basically worked with my husband on what would need to be true. And really what it came down to for him was that Laura, our youngest, would feel like this would work for her. Because again, our, our, his mentality was, well, she's in the middle of her high school career. You know, she's, again, she's in a great place in, in her current situation, in her current high school. But knowing that that was his real issue enabled us to then bring Laura into the conversation. We found out that Laura was actually super enthusiastic about going. We learned a little bit more about the schools in Belgium and the opportunities that they would open for her that she was excited about. And so Again, it was super clarifying to know this is what would need to be true. We have to have Laura bought in and we have to have a great situation for Laura. And that turned the conversation around and we moved forward. Yeah. What runs under that, like the little undercurrent for me was that you were curious with him about what was true. And st- yes. I mean, I think a lot of us, especially, or at least for me, I would immediately think this is my career. I'm yes. not going to hang this up. Like it'd be more of a temptation to build a case about why it's important. And what I heard was that you stayed curious with him about what needs to be true. So nice little undercurrent. Curiosity is always such a powerful thing. It is. It's such a powerful thing. It really opens up whole new lines of conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And the third principle. So the third is to define and make very explicit what your leap of faith assumptions are. So Mm. what is it that makes you believe that this is a good choice for you? Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I think again, that just saying those things out loud, making them very explicit enables you, it's another just strategy for bringing clarity. I can give examples where I've gone into business areas where I basically felt like I knew nothing. And, you know, again, this is a strategy that helped me go into a new business and be clear what I could bring to that business and what I believed about what I could or would need to learn even. So getting explicit about that helps you create a strategy for going into that situation. So, it, you know, the example I'll give is moving into our pet care business at PNG. Pet care is a very different business than most of the other businesses we have at Procter & Gamble. And I have no background in, you know, animal nutrition, biology. These were new territories for me. So when I thought about this idea of leap of faith, it was about, <clears throat> okay, my leap of faith is that by bringing in some of the skills that I built in my other business experiences, and particularly my expertise in understanding consumers, that I could add value to this business. But my other leap of faith assumption was that there would be people around me who could teach me some of the things and who I could rely on for the things that I didn't understand as well, like the animal nutrition part. And again, that just helped me go into the business with a strategy. So I knew what I was bringing and I brought that very intentionally into the work. I knew where I would need to find help. And, you know, my strategy was very much to rely on others. So this idea of defining your leap of faith assumptions, kind of validating them, and again, using that to really drive clarity as you navigate through uncertain territory. Beautiful. I'm excited about the fourth one, getting comfortable with low resolution, because boy, do we feel a lot of low res these days. Yeah. So tell us more about that one. Yeah, I'm excited about this one too. I actually think <laughs> this is a really powerful idea. Mm -hmm. And you have to remind yourself, even I have to remind myself that you know the brain hates uncertainty, mm -hmm. right? So this yes. idea of, and you know, it really is like a camera, like zooming in and zooming out. Whenever mm -hmm. you zoom out at the camera, you get the landscape, but it's fuzzy. Right. Yeah. So when I talk about getting comfortable with with low resolution, it's about when you're going into a new space, you want to see as much of the landscape as you can, but it's going to be fuzzy. Mm -hmm. So you have to sort of resist that temptation to say, oh, no, I know I don't like this. I want to be more certain and sort of just take in that landscape, you know, and then start to say, OK, where do I need to go next? And where do I want to start kind of zooming in based on what I see in the landscape? And so then sort of creating this skill or this discipline of zoom out and zoom in is just a, a really powerful strategy, again, for navigating uncertainty. Yeah. You know, what comes up for me as you share this is as leaders, we it's so sexy to think about like we want to talk about strategy, we want to talk about foresight, we want to talk about the future. Right. And there's always space for that in leadership. And yeah. what I appreciate is that there's again some resisting of temptation here to yeah. want to have the full picture right away and to work with what's nearest to us first right. especially yeah. like in a new role for example or in a changing economic condition so i just Absolutely. really ton of value in that thinking yeah i mean the 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 point you made earlier about curiosity right i think there is also this element you talked about wanting to work on what's nearest to you. I think there's this element of, 
you know, I've been a leader for X number of years. I'm an expert at, at sets and sets. So you want to go do what you're expert at, or you want to make a big impact because you're the leader. You want to be able to show up as, you know, you know everything. So you do have to be very like diligent about, okay, no, this is a moment to be curious. This is a moment to step back. This is a moment to do some sensing. This is a moment to see who's around me and what they know that I don't know. And, you know, for me right now, I'm leading for, for PNG, I'm leading digital innovation. I've been doing this role for about a year. It's a whole new territory for all of us, but it's certainly mm-hmm. new for me. And it's got to be high emphasis for the business since we're everyone's doing digital transformation, every industry, yeah. everybody. And anybody who's doing that knows how incredibly complex it is. Yes, right. right. And so it's an opportunity for me to stretch this muscle of like really zoom out and then zoom in, zoom out and zoom in. Like what are the big problems? And then how do we go in and, and tackle those? And then how do we step back again and say, where do, where do we want to go next? And then zoom back in. Yeah. And I think this idea of low res, right? So what are the kind of really fast, simple experiments we can do or the kind of low resolution signals that tell us, hey, here's an opportunity. And then we get more and more rigorous about testing and learning as we as we see more and more evidence. Right. And then just being clear on what you don't need the resolution on because one of your own leaders has the res and you can just build that trust that they have it. What came up for me is that there's credibility in your curiosity as an executive, right? That's, like That's a nice thought. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to quote myself on that somewhere. I think that feels go. right. But it, you know, it's, I watch leaders falter often, yeah. especially when they take on new focus areas or new teams by trying to prove that they understand and know when they don't yeah. and you can't yeah. fake that. Yeah. So that can be a credibility killer early in an endeavor but I do watch the leaders who can stay curious, just build a ton of credibility with people because they allow others to be the experts with them while they're zooming in and out to your point. Yeah. So now I, I think you're really poking at something really important. And, and I think there is this balance of, you know, leaders want to show up as knowing, right. Yeah, and we, we need to show up as learning when we're in a new space. Mm-hmm. But I also think we need to be able to declare that we're curious because otherwise, if you go in with a ton of questioning, people think you're interrogating, you know, right? Interrogating. Yes. Exactly. So mm-hmm. curiosity versus interrogation is a really important line to manage. Oh, I love your point that about making the declaration so people are super clear about your intentions. That's very important. So yeah. love that. Okay, bring us home with number five. So it kind of links to the last conversation. It's go slow to go fast. So again, you know, sometimes when, again, you're, you're going into a new territory, you're driving a transformation, you're going to have to slow down and get the landscape. You're probably going to have to build some capabilities that don't exist. It's really hard because, you know, people will come and say, okay, how are you really let's get some return on investment here, right? And, you know, I want disruptive innovation and I need it fast, right? And and there are some things we can do fast. There is definitely experimentation that should be happening quickly. We don't want to be sluggish. We want to have a sense of urgency. But we really do need to recognize that, again, when we're making big transformational leaps, whether that's personal or building a transformational business, 
there's some pieces that are just going to be slow mm-hmm. and we have to make those investments. Mm-hmm. I'll give a personal example, which is when I moved to Latin America, you know, one of the things that was, a, you know, sort of what needs to be true for me is that I knew I would need to be able to communicate with my caretaker. I had young, I had a one-year-old at the time. And so having the ability to communicate was critical. And, and I knew that my caretaker was going to speak Spanish. So, you know, for me, I needed to make that investment in learning Spanish. And I mean, that is not something you can just say, okay, let's get the quick one week Spanish test. And, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I invested very heavily in Spanish I went for a while, for about four months, I went to four hours of Spanish lessons a day. Wow. You were not kidding around. No. Mm -hmm. So this is what I mean by go slow to go fast. Get clear what you're really going to have to invest in. Be ready that some of these things, you just can't make them go faster. You're going to have to invest the time. Mm -hmm. But doing that investment will make you go like a rocket. Yeah. Would you be willing to share if a project or a focus area you have in your own life or work right now where you are practicing these five principles? Yeah. I mean, as I said, I'm leading digital innovation right now. And it's, you know, it's so complex. As you say, that the outside world is saying, you must do this and you have to do it fast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in order to really have the impact that we want to have in a company like P&G, that's incredibly complex globally, you know, think about all the data that's on a laptop mm-hmm. at PNG, mm-hmm. right? And digital transformation requires that we get that data all out of the dark, that we connect it, that we start activating it with algorithms. And it is super important to kind of keep all these principles in mind as we go. And I will say, you know, I'm a year into this and I see the impact. You know, I really do. I see the impact that we're driving when we live these principles. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also hard. I will admit that. Like, I have to remind myself, okay, of wait, course. this is a moment to go slow. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or let's step back now and say, okay, with this new challenge that's in front of us, what needs to be true? Mm-hmm. Love that. You know, if we zoom out of these five principles, I'm curious what tactical habits you think leaders have to put in place in order to enable themselves to slow down, to oh. remember that there's low resolution and that's okay to mm-hmm. create these important definitions and points of clarity that are essential to be able to live these practices. What would you say those tactical habits might be? So I think there are a couple of tactics that, you know, that I try and, and I'm sure other people will have. I think it's a great question because hopefully this will get people thinking about that mm-hmm. very question for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to create time for myself you know, sort of on a weekly basis and then on a monthly basis and on a quarterly basis to step back and kind of reflect on, you know, where I am kind of in what, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish and where I need to go. And that's a good moment to say, okay, you know, where am I? What's it going to take to get from here to there? And how am I applying the principles? So that's sort of one create some space to do that reflection and to sort of pause and, and bring the principles to the actual transformation you're trying to drive. Enrolling others. So part of the reason why I created these and wrote them down and started talking about them 
is because people say them back to me. Mm. You know, so now you I created have- your own echo chamber, Julie. I hope you really love the principles. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I have one of the guys I work with in particular. He is saying these things back to me all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful. So, and you know, of course, there's always, you know, I've, I've done this myself sometimes where I just create a post it note or some sort of a just piece of paper or whatever it is, virtual post it note that you keep on your desktop or whatever. So, I think these are all tactics that, that have worked for me. I love it. I'm going to throw one in too, which is related to your enrolling others concept. Maybe we aren't even just enrolling others, but an offshoot of that. I watch leaders feel so lonely in their endeavors and and often just trying to figure it out. And I think we miss the opportunity to leverage our network or to build new network as we need it. To your example, if we've never led digital before, then it'd be really great to have some colleagues who have not just internally, but externally that you know, you could trust non-competitive, et cetera, et cetera. But that comes up for me too, is in terms of really creating support with folks who can see things you can't because you're so inside of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was younger, the word network to me connoted this idea of, you know, Rolodex and, you know, just have a drink with people, just schmoozing and yes. I actually rejected that concept like completely and kind of, you know, went into my little hole and, but gosh, the more I've been in this world of driving transformation, the more I've realized the power of networks. And as you say, internal and external, I mean, this is at PNG, we're so lucky to have so much Uh, internally Mm -hmm. that again, it's really tempting not to, not to make those external connections and not to make that effort. And I think, you know, I was sort of moving in that direction anyway, but about five or six years ago, I, you know, one of the transformations I was driving was bringing lean startup into PNG, really bringing in the concepts from Steve Blank and Eric Reese mm-hmm. into PNG. And in that work, I started really getting connected. We met Eric, we met a lot of his team, we started going to the Lean Startup Conferences. We met another company that has helped us a lot called Bionic, who's just a startup that helps drive Lean Startup into companies. And they were incredibly connected. Fun. So yeah, it just I started meeting, as you say, people who were trying to do the same thing, that we could just talk about it. Mm-hmm. We could continue to build more and more connections. It really opened my eyes to how much is out there and how much support is available when you make the effort. And as you say, it's, it's really very different from what I originally had as the concept from years ago. Yes. Well, and I think it really has changed. I don't think you made up that feeling or idea about what networking or network used to mean. I think most of us have that same, if I will, shuddering response to the idea of the schmoozy, you know, cocktail hour with people we don't really need to know frankly. But what I have observed and I've experienced myself as a business owner is, well, this is true for all senior leaders. We don't take small steps anymore. There's no incremental. It is either really big out of your your depth so that you grow, because that's how you grow once you have a certain competency, 
or you're just continuing to go deeper in your silo and no one really wants that. Right. So what I've watched and experienced myself is if I'm moving into something and I know I'm missing the experience or competency, I will email like a handful of folks and say, I'm looking to meet someone who has done X and is willing to talk with me. And it never fails to just make me so happy at how everyone jumps at the chance to connect you. I'm sharing this because I think so many of us are missing the opportunity just to send a simple email. I'm I'm looking to meet people who have doubled their revenue in one year, right? For example, and boom, there's emails in my inbox with introductions. It's just amazing. So, and I think it connects to your point about curiosity mm-hmm. because I think in the past we thought of those connections as transactional, transactional. Yes. I'm reaching out because I want you to do something for me. That's as right. Opposed to, I'm mm-hmm. just wanting to learn, mm-hmm. right? I'm curious. You know, I see this about you and I want to better understand it. I think when you go into this idea of networking with just real curiosity and, you know, what can I learn from others? I think that's when it becomes super powerful and interesting. Totally agree. Totally agree. Oh my gosh. There's so much goodness here, Julie. I just am so grateful for not just sharing the framework, but being able to bring it to life for us with your personal experiences. So if folks want to find you online, what's the best way for them to come learn more about you and what you're up to? Yeah. The best way would be LinkedIn. Great. Okay. And I'll be sure to include your link to your profile in the show notes. And then as you know, and I'll remind listeners, this podcast was created to help discover the behaviors and practices, beliefs, the skills that leaders need so that they can keep leading these crazy, ever-evolving systems. To get your read on what you think is required of future leaders, just finish the sentence for me. Leaders of the future will... Embrace uncertainty and lead with clarity. Mm. Well said, and a perfect way to tie up all the lessons we got from you today. So, Julie, thank you so much. This has been beyond enlightening. Really appreciated the conversation. Thanks, Deacon. I really enjoyed it too. And I, I think I learned some things as well. So, oh, thank you. It's been super fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Workplace Forward podcast, where leaders and executives can stay ahead of the curve on emerging leadership ideas and self care best practices. Guided by executive coach Tegan Travato and her expert guests. Please take 60 seconds to help others discover the Workplace Forward podcast by going to iTunes to subscribe, give five stars, and leave a comment. Want to learn more about Bright Arrow Coaching and leadership development? Visit the website at www.brightarrowcoaching.com. See you next time. And while you're filling your team's cups, remember to take care of yourself too.